To one there is given through a spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. And these are the works of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. I'm going to pray. Father God, I need you to be with me right now. I just need you in this time for this message. I need you to control my tongue so it does not slur the words. Give me clarity of thought. You've given this message. You've given it to me. Just allow me to execute. Allow me to, to bring it forward. To Allow me to be able to represent you and only you. In Christ's name, amen. I'm sorry that I'm all over the place. I don't know what's going on. It's been that way for a couple weeks. But I started looking at this scripture about healing and our authority related to it. Some have the gift. Some are given that gift. And that the other times I believe God gives us a gift that we don't possess all the time in a moment when we need it, when he needs us to act on his behalf because we are here. You know, in Mark 9, Jesus instructs his disciples to heal the sick as they preach. And in the same way, he instructs the 70 in Luke to do the same. He doesn't ask them to go pray for the sick. He tells them what they have authority to heal. In Mark's record of Jesus' words in chapter 16, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe, not just the apostles, but those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, they will drink deadly, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on, on sick people, and they will get well. I studied this in response to the prayer I offered at the end of last week. Binding, casting, taking authority over the spirits. That may have been in our guest last week. I eventually read through some more scripture, and today I finally landed on John 14, 12 through 14. And it says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in his Son. You may, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now that scripture sometimes is used, to, there's, there's a lot of different ways this particular three verses are used. Some believe it is the name it and claim it scripture. That if you believe it and you ask it in my name, I will give it to you. That if you want a mansion and you pray for it, you'll get it. I don't think that's necessarily true either. Some people say it was only to the apostles again. And again, I don't believe that that is true because it says that all believers, whoever believes in me, will do the works I have been doing. So let's give you a little context of where they're at in, this, in John 14. They are still in the upper room. 
at this point. They have consumed the, the Last Supper. They are uh, with the other disciples. Judas is left to prepare for when he turns Christ over. And then Philip is a spokesman for them because they still don't quite get who Jesus is. I mean, you were in the last hours and they still don't understand who Jesus is. So Philip said in, chapter, or in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and that, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is in the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So now most people think that the works he is referring to in verse 11 are the miracles that he has done to this point. Jesus many times rebukes those that are there for the show. What I mean by the show is the pe- there was, he did the feeding of 5,000. Well, not all of those were believers. They just wanted to hear what was going on. You know, they were, some of them probably were coming for the free food. It was the gravy train. Hey, he fed us the other day. Let's keep following this guy and see if he'll feed us again. You know, it was probably the greatest show on earth at that point. He is actually referring to the works that are to come shortly. His death, his resurrection, and his ascension. So let's break down these three verses. Verse 12, only the very first part. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. I'm not sure how people believe that this is only for the apostles. Or just for pastors or elders or highly spiritual people, or mature Christians, professional Christians, missionaries, evangelists, or just plain gifted Christians. It says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Also, it means that there is no option. If you believe, you will do it. And you remember, they will know us by our fruit. So what works? I mean, just in John alone, Jesus turned water into wine. He heals a, healed an official's son. He healed the man crippled for 38 years. We already talked about the feeding of the 5,000. He walked on water. Healed a man born blind. Even raised Lazarus from the dead. Are we going to do these works? No one has yet. Not all of them, at least. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12, the distribution of gifts. We all have giftings. We possess certain things that we are designed to do and that God created us to do. And we are created for certain things. I like how John Piper described this first verses 11 and 12, putting them together. Believe in me, Jesus, on account of my works. Let my works function to lead people to faith in me. That's verse 11. Because whoever believes in me, verse, the first part of 12, will also do works that lead people to believe in me. That's how we break down the works that he was doing. The works that he was able to do. It is 
that we will do things that will lead people to believe in Him. Our lives are our works. Everything we, should, we do should point uh, people to Christ. And they should see Him when they look at us. Pastor Nick Esch of Cornerstone Baptist Church put it this way earlier this year. He believes that the same type of work of Jesus refers to the selfless, sacrificial love. This type of love is completely counterculture and truthfully, incredibly inconvenient, yet incredibly beautiful. It engages in messy relationships with people. It sacrifices comfort and ease, as well as time and security and finances. This love is willing to risk, willing to lay down its life for the good of others, just as Jesus has commanded us. And just as he has done for us, and it's willing to do this for those who can't earn it and don't deserve it. You know, sometimes being in the counseling role is, is just like having a teenager. You know what's best. You keep referring to it. You hope someday they get it. And that's what these relationships are. I mean, many of you have probably mentored someone who's going through something. Or you can see it easier. You, or your own kids or any of those things. And that is what we are called to do, is to be in those messy relationships. Take the time out of our schedule to pour into someone else's and put them before ourselves. Put the other in front, in front of our own bills, put others in front of our own security sometimes. And it's hard to do sometimes. And, let's, and then the second part of 12 is, and they will do even greater works things that, of, than these, because I am going to the Father. First, we have to realize that the, he is re, what he is referencing. He's referencing the fact that he's leaving and that he will send a comforter. He will send the Holy Spirit to live within us which invites us to be in communion with God. So we have the strength, the courage, and the wisdom to live and do these things, to point people to Christ. Does it mean that we're going to do greater miracles than Jesus did? Mm, I don't think so. But if we do any miracles, it's not that we did them. It's that God did them through us. We are just the vessel. Some of you have witnessed miracles. Some of you have received miracles. I'll bet you've actually received miracles you don't even know you received. Because he's orchestrated something that kept you out of harm's way. Even Christ in verse 10 says, Rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So even Christ acknowledges that it's his Father that is doing the work. And that he is not the one in control of that power. Some have said that the greater works here is referring to the growth of Christianity and the scope of Christianity. Because in Acts 1, even though there was thousands of people following him, it states that there was only about 120 disciples. Actual true believers of Christ. And then in Acts 2, when Pentecost comes and and Peter preaches, 3,000 in one day. That's a much greater work. By that multiplying, we are here today. Without that, if it was left to Christ alone and only during his ministry and it didn't expand because of the the faith we have and the the causing people to see see Christ through us, it would never have gotten to here. It would have stayed in the Middle East. It would have never traveled. 
The other greater works is, the, is one that even Christ didn't do, that Christ could not do. When Jesus talked about salvation, it was an anticipation of when he conquered death. We get to preach a message not of a promised ransom, but a paid ransom. We know that Christ died for our sins and rose and ascended. We have that. So we can teach from that perspective that he was not able to do. In verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So, I'm going to read another thing from John Piper on that. But that's, a, that's the part where some of the ministry gets off base, I believe. So John Piper explained it better than I ever could, so I'm just going to read what he said in response to this. As you seek to carry on my work in the world, and as you seek to let your light shine and live in love and offer forgiveness of sins in the name of the crucified and risen Christ, ask me for whatever you need and I will give it to you. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. This passage has no condition as in other places like John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be made done for you. No condition as in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked him of. No condition as in Mark eleven twenty four, Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Only one condition, in my name. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So does Jesus mean we can ignore all these other conditions? Abide in him, ask according to his will, believe his word? Or are all these included in the meaning, ask in my name? Still reading Piper, um, that's what I think Jesus would say. I give you the Holy Spirit. I give you the power of, of the crucified and risen Christ. And now promise you that you can ask for anything in my name for this mission. For the glory of my Father in my name. This is for my fame and not yours. Because of my divine worth and my infinite payment on the cross, and according to my sovereign wisdom, put every request through that filter, my fame, my worth, my purchase, my wisdom, and every prayer will be answered. You will have everything you need to do the works that I do, and even the greater works. So if we are in Christ's name, we, we put that on ends of prayers a lot of time, in Christ's name. But we don't think about that what we're saying is all of those things, going through the filters of my fame, my worth, my promise, my purchase, my wisdom, and lastly to say, not my will, but yours be done. So we ask in prayer, we say these prayers, a lot of times when we pray, we ask, we thank, we ask, we expect, we say in your, in your name. And we don't say, we, we don't always understand that it is your will. Maybe all of you do. That would be awesome. Because that's where we should be. It's about not my will, but yours be done. Even Christ, when he wanted to give up the cup, 
his responsibility to go to the cross. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And he followed through at the cost of his own life. So are you okay with that? Are you okay surrendering completely? Are you okay with your schedule getting messed up with people that are messier than you? Are you okay that you might have to go forego a few things in your own life so you can provide food for someone else? Do you really, really want to surrender? So I ask you, awaken your authority. You have a message you can preach that even Christ couldn't preach. You have a paid ransom that you get to profess to others. You need to speak that into other people's lives. You need to, to act it into other people's lives first. You need to build relationship with people by the way that you are seen and by the way that you act so that people know who you are and that you are a part of Christ's family just by the way that you take yourself through this community, through this world, and through your relationships. I've done it many times. I've said you need to figure out your spiritual gift. You need to figure out what your spiritual gift is so you can act in accordance with what God created you to be. There's tons of different easy tests online. You can even ask others, what am I good at? And probably you're already walking in your spiritual gift, and you just need confirmation. And then ask God, did they get it right? Or they just want me to come over, or they just want me to cook them meals. It's not me. I'm not hospitality. And spread that greater work. And the last thing I'd say is, don't put God in a box. Don't say he can't and he won't. Don't say he can't heal me. He won't heal me. He won't provide. Don't don't say that it died with the apostles because then you're saying God shut him off, himself off. He didn't do it. So he's able to. And I think it's because possibly we don't always align our lives the way we should with God that we don't see the miraculous as often as we probably do. Um, we have a few missionaries here today that have gone to third world countries. And I know in third world countries, you see more miracles because it's what they have. And just like in Acts 4 when the lame man is sitting at the temple and he asks Peter for alms, and alms says, or Peter says, I don't have gold and silver, but what I do have, I will give you. Get up and walk. And he's able to walk. And he leaps. He doesn't, he's not just like, hey, thanks, dude, but I really am doing really good with this alms thing. He leaps into the temple. He's overjoyed that he is healed. And I believe God still can do it. So Matthew 5, 16 will be what I end on. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Will you guys please stand with me?